Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. And this is a special edition of Celtic Stuff Live. My usual co-host, John Duke, is going to to still be away because he's on vacation. We had a great episode with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston earlier this week. And now joining me, this really is a special edition, Sam Sheehan, co-host of the Scorching Shamrocks here on CLNS Radio. Um, always great to have Sam on here. Um, and he has a very interesting host on Scorching Shamrocks, Sullivan James Sullivan. So I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about the last Scorching Shamrock show when Sullivan clearly brokenhearted over Evan Turner. A quick reminder to everybody, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host, myself, at CSL underscore Justin, and my usual co-host at CSL underscore Duke for John Duke, and the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Facebook page for you too, facebook.com backslash CLNS fans. And don't forget to download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Just go to your marketplace, search CLNS Radio. And finally, yeah, there's a lot of content coming at you. CLNS Radio's YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com backslash CLNS Radio. And during the season, we've got high-definition, full-length locker room interviews. And, of course, the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. All right, Sam, we're going to bring you right in here. And one of the the real reasons of bringing you on is you and uh, Ryan Bernadoni, who, you know, we really could have had him join us as well, but he already made an appearance on Rain and Jays this week. But the two of you are are like the disciples of Eric Pincus with your excellent work on the cap and and sort of understanding the Celtics' salaries. Yeah, well, uh, first off, thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Justin. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, well, I think I think a better way to frame um, Ryan and I's relationship might be that you know he um, he he really knows that world, and I just sort of stumble blindly around in it um, with him telling me to stop knocking stuff off the shelves as often as I do. Um, so that's sort of you know been you know just because we both came up you know together. Um, you know, writing things back and forth on Reddit and, you know, he and I talk pretty often now, um, just kind of by proxy, I've sort of absorbed some of his cap powers, even though they're not anywhere near, you know, the level that his are, but I can sort of find my way around <laughs> a basic, the basic parts of the cap sheet and sort of, uh, you know, where the Celtics are going to be at, uh, going forward. Cause this is a, this is a big off season for them, particularly with the cap. And, uh, you know, I, kind of the point that I wanted to bring up, uh, and I actually wrote a piece about this recently, was uh, that in 2017, is that going to be a monster, monster offseason? It's going to be the biggest Celtics offseason in, uh, I don't know, <laughs> years. Well, I've been thinking about it a lot myself, and I'm just going to tell you, um, you're not going to take the kind of abuse that you take on your show from your co-host, but you know, you get a little bit of a reprieve here on Celtic stuff live. We'll, we'll be a little bit nicer to you. And, I and even though that. I really well, appreciate that. Cause uh, I mean, it's good to just talk to a human about the Celtics. Um, because I actually, <laughs> my co-host is, uh, I, I think animal is probably the best way to describe him. Uh, just sort of a byproduct of, uh, the, you know, Boston sports radio. And I like, it's kind of a bummer. Like I feel, I almost feel bad for uh, Sullivan, my co-host, but I have to say it is really nice to be talking with you, Justin, and to get a little bit of a, you know, a break from that. Well, Sullivan and I, Sullivan and I have agreed numerous times. I mean, I, I, I gotta say we, we have some parallels and uh, <laughs> you know, I know on a, on a recent show, <laughs> You kind of took it personally when I said I I, I'm, I can't believe I I'm agreeing with with uh, Stephen A. Smith and and Sullivan James Sullivan, but you know, hey, I, I, maybe I should read a book on emotional intelligence as well. But but I think your co-host Sully certainly could take a few tips from it. But you know, he's got a 
he's got a hard life. He's got a hard life, and we'll we'll cut him some slack. I'm going to tell you, I think your spreadsheet is is really well laid out. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I know you're talking about the off season next year and 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 trades to follow that. I I think the biggest thing I'm getting from your article is sort of the order of operations, right? One thing has to happen before another. How do they maximize this cap space? But quite frankly, uh, the fans have been clamoring, and I'm sure I'm sure Sullivan is in this wheelhouse as well, but the fans have been really clamoring and expecting to have some sort of a deal that's going to get done. And, and, you know, we haven't seen one. A lot of the moves recently indicate that maybe they're going to take a step back. But I personally am all for full bore rebuild. Let's make these picks and and just try to upgrade the talent uh, in the offseason. But even then, we could come into a situation with a cap crunch, I believe, if we use all the cap space. And then some of these other contracts like Jay Crowder, maybe looking for an extension in a couple of years, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley. So in some other respect... Maybe that's not even possible. Some of these guys have to get traded at some point just because of roster crunch, don't they? Right. So, um, right. So, kind of the the main crux of what I wanted to you know lay out in the article is um, for for those that might not be as familiar with um, where the Celtics are at with the cap right now. Um, the Celtics right now are projected now. You know, a lot of these the problem with projecting things out um, multiple years is you don't ever really know what's going to happen because um, cap calculations aren't actually made until, you know, like um, a couple of weeks before the off season even starts that off season. So right now the cap projections are at 102 million. Um, That's going to, you know, I would guess probably rise a little bit as the season goes along, but it's already fallen from where it was projected two years ago. So already you're starting off with a number that's like kind of hard to like work around and there's not really a lot, um, it's, it's not that solid, but when you get into, um, but you know, that's kind of the only thing we have to go on. So it's sort of like a best estimate. Um, what's happening right now is the Celtics are in a situation where all of their contracts that are coming off the books next year are just happen to be all of basically everyone who plays a big position. That's not Al Horford, um, or Jordan Mickey, which is really interesting because in order to get to um, that maximum cap space, they're going to need to, you know, not bring any of those guys back. That means renouncing um, Kelly Olynyk's um, restricted free agency rights. That means, uh, you know, not holding onto the cap holds of Jonas Jurebko, Tyler's, um, or sorry, Jonas Jurebko or Amir Johnson. And that means, you know, waiving the non-guaranteed salary of Tyler Zeller. Um, that's a, and you know, that's a little bit of a of a problem, <laughs> you know, because um, that's sort of just sort of the way that the Celtics, kind of the the way the core has sort of been built and the way that the contracts have fallen is that you know it's not going to be, it's going to be Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, and Avery Bradley that are coming off the books in 2018, and so in order to maximize the cap space, um, they're going to need to you know, in 2017, they're going to need to get rid of, um, basically all of the bit, all of their bigs, which, you know, if, and that's all based on the caveat of if there's not a trade in the next year, which is something that's going to be, you know, we're, we're going to have to see. <laughs> um, it's not going to be, um, we'll see what happens, but I, I think, I think to get, um, to go along with what you were saying, Justin, I think what, what I'm pushing for in this piece is that, um, you know, the Celtics are in a position where they still, even though the fans might be getting impatient, they're still in a scenario where they really don't have to, the Celtics, that is, don't have to push too hard on these trades. They can kind of let the trades come to them a little bit um, just because of their asset base and because, um, you know, they are still going to have in a position where they can add a max free agent um, without a trade um, come the next offseason, which frankly is going to have um, a lot more max level stars like, uh, you know, probably Russell Westbrook, um, Steph Curry, um, even though that's a little bit of a pipe dream, um, Daniil Gallinari, Blake Griffin, uh, even Chris Paul, um, even though he's in the 10-year bucket. So that's kind of, you know, what we're looking at in terms of 
where the Celtics are going. And I think it's, you know, to sort of to touch upon what you said um, before this, I think it's going to be, you know, I think the wait and see camp is probably, you know, there's pros and cons, which I, I guess I can get into it a little bit. But uh, I know you well, just I don't think... want to move Jalen Brown. <laughs> no, I, I definitely am all about Jalen Brown. And I saw your tweet the other day that, you know, you're kind of, you're maybe warming up a little bit, especially after he, he changed his uh, picture on Twitter. But, you know, a, a couple of things. I think based on the age of this group, we're definitely not targeting a 10-plus year veteran to give a max to. It, it would really be, you know, in the in, – it would fly in the face of what they're building here. So and I think what you're you're trying to project for next summer and possible acquisitions, I can see them giving max contract – to, to somebody in that less than 10, you know, that second tier, I think it's six to nine years, you said, I don't have it right in front of me, uh, but their max contract, I think it's around $24 million a year. That seems to fit really nice. Another thing that came up um, as you wrote this article, and I wound up sending a follow-up tweet to Eric Pincus to get some clarification, but I know there was some talk about Abdel Nader and how come the Celtics haven't signed him to the Red Claws, and what we learned from Eric is, you know, they have to go through the draft and the NBA rosters have to get finalized and all these things have to happen first before anybody um, can can sign a D-League contract. So that's actually a rule that says, no, Abdel Nader can't sign that deal for, for a number of more weeks. However, two players that you indicate in this article make you sort of, there's a move here that makes you question you know, if there might be a deal coming anyway, at the very least, the Celtics maintaining flexibility. But Gershon Yabaselli and Ante Zizic are both not yet signing contracts overseas. And so they haven't been uh, technically stashed yet. So I asked Eric in a tweet if there was some sort of a condition similar to the D-League condition with Yabaselli and Zizic that they would have to uh, wait a certain period of time before you know, they can officially be stashed. But it seems like Eric kind of answered it's a case-by-case basis, but my understanding is that they could sign an overseas contract at any time, and that would essentially indicate the stash has has happened and the Celtics just make it official. Um, Yeah, right. So I think, um, um, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure Yabuselli's actually already signed with a a Chinese team um, overseas. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. But so they haven't officially said they're stashing him then. Right. So I guess that was the big news. What, what, what was confusing me um, and, you know, uh, to, you know, Ryan Bernadotti and Danger Cart, um, also, you know, he and I were kind of discussing this. And the thing that wasn't really adding up because, you know, you, we, you kind of keep track of these cap projections and see where, you know, as these signings deals were coming out, because obviously the Celtics kind of sat on their hands for a little bit um, and didn't make a lot of these signings official so they could you know, have the cap space because by not signing Jalen Brown, his cap hold is only going to be on his rookie scale deal, which, um, so you can kind of create an extra like 900 K in room or so, um, by not signing him to the extra. Cause, um, you can sign, you know, draft picks to 120% of their rookie scale. So as long as you don't actually sign your, um, you know, your, your draft picks, you can actually kind of create a little bit of space that way. Um, not signing Tyler Zeller, I think his cap hold was um, something like six, maybe seven million. So you know you got like a million or so there in wiggle room versus signing the eight million. But obviously um, the Celtics made all those signings. Um, what was interesting is when Bobby Marks was, I think the who of the vertical Yahoo's vertical website was the first one to have the cap numbers, and he tweeted out, um, and Ryan tweeted at him for clarification on this that he had listed that. Zeller um, was signed with bird rights. Um, Now what makes that interesting is in order to be signed with bird rights, that means that the Celtics were essentially staying over the cap. Um, And that's, there's, there's a little bit of a drawback there because when you sign someone with cap rights, you end up, um, or when you sign someone with cap space, you can trade them an entire month earlier. So um, Zeller could be traded um, December 15th, I believe it is if he was signed with the, um, if he was signed with cap space, but by signing him with bird rights, um, they, they, you push that back a month. So now it's going to be February 15th. 
Um, if there's one thing we know about Mike Zarin, Danny Ainge, you know, all of the, the Celtics brain trust is that they value flexibility incredibly, incredibly highly. So if you have to think that there would be a reason why they're just sort of leaving this month on the table, because really it doesn't, in our minds, it didn't really matter one way or the other. Um, I mean, they renounced um, the Gigi Dutomi cap hold, which has actually still been on the books. Um, so we, we were lined up for a Gigi comeback tour for a little bit until the dream died um, a couple of weeks ago. But that was the interesting thing was why did they renounce it? Because they actually had this $3 million in space um, that they could have you know, held on to it. And the reason was, and what the news was today that Eric broke, is that they actually haven't renounced the rights officially to, or um, officially stashed, I should say, is a better way to phrase that, um, Yabuselli and Zizic. Now, that's really interesting. Because uh, with the, the Celtics currently have 18 players on the roster. Um, you know, maybe 19, depending on, you know, you had David Pick, tweeting today that maybe Colton Iverson was going to be getting a deal with the Celtics, but then Jake uh, King later came in and said that his source said um, the the deal hadn't happened yet. So, you know, we'll kind of keep an eye on where things end up with Colton Iverson, but that's still, you know, 18 players with NBA contracts. Why are you sacrificing a month of Tyler Zeller's tradability um, for guys that, you know, already – probably aren't going to play on an 18 man roster. I mean, I know we all love the dancing bear. It, it was, he was great in summer league. And I think people are stoked to see what Zizic is going to do, but our bigs are kind of, you know, a well-stocked position. You have to think like Zeller right now is fifth man on the depth chart to say nothing of the Jordan Mickey hype trade, whenever that comes in. And, you know, the other small fact that Brad Stevens really does want to play with Jay Crowder at the four in some lineups, and you want to see Jalen Brown probably, you know. I know you want to see him out there sometimes, Justin, and I think that's, you know, <laughs> playing him at the four a little bit would be a way to kind of make that happen. So, you know, you're looking at a bigs that are buried, you know, a month of Tyler Zeller's tradability for, you know, bigs to keep open the fact that they might be able to sign – these bigs when it seems like there's not really any path where they would where sacrificing a year of the rookie scale on these great young cheap deals is really worth it. So that tells me, and then, so this is my own personal projections, my own interpretation. I have no inside information. I'm, you know, I'm just a fan. Um, but that seems to me that they think they're going to get roster spots somewhere or at least there's a scenario where they might get roster spots in the next couple of months in order for these for this you know to be worth it for them to bring over Gabuselli or Zinich. That's interesting. <laughs> Cuz again, 18 people on the roster. So but it but it's funny too because you know one of the things that you point out in the article is it seems to make more sense to wait and you have your eye on a year from now but you're also saying that this scenario is indicating that they are maybe holding out hope or, and I think maybe it's just about maintaining flexibility. I mean, obviously Zeller is not going to be included in any deal, but his being on the roster gives them the flexibility to trade Amir Johnson. Again, you talk about that depth and the depth that they have now might not be depth that is going to be available a year from now, even to the point where they're going to potentially to get the max cap space to sign that, to sign that free agent next summer, they might have to do the dirty deed that, that you don't want to see them do as much as, as I love Jalen Brown. I know how much it would pain you to, to lose Kelly Olynyk, And, you know, we definitely have to real quick. I'm just going to give a shout to our sponsor, but I want to go down that when we come out of this, this quick, uh, quick, uh, promo for fan essentials. I want to talk about, you know, Kelly Olynyk and that depth and that swing and how, you know, maybe they knew that, that Zeller's not going to be in the deal, at least not unless they try to make two deals or the deal that they're looking at really isn't going to come together 
till the deadline, but they want to be able to revisit it. And of course, we have to talk about Doc Rivers blaming bloggers. So we'll get to that in just a second. But just a shout out to our sponsor for the show, Fan Essentials. How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA teams merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? By the way, when I say favorite NBA team, it better be the Celtics. Go and check out fanessentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get team gear shipped right to your door. We've had a bunch of winners in the last few weeks, but Fan Essentials is going to find sports gear so you don't have to, and each one of these boxes comes fully packed with just some amazing gear. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan, and prices start at just $34.99. You could also support Celtic Stuff Live and save 30% on your first month of your subscription just by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. So you just go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And if you've been listening to this show uh, since May, you'll know that we're giving away one free month of Fan Essential Celtics gear to our listeners, and we're doing that every week. So one free month every single week to one of our listeners, and all you have to do is retweet our show announcement with the hashtag Fan Essentials. Just make sure you're following at CSL underscore TweetLive so we can send you a direct message with all the information you need to claim your prize, and we will announce the winner on each week's regular show. So that'll be coming up with our show on Monday. Another quick programming announcement I wanted to let everybody know in honor of Kevin Garnett and July 31st, which really was my target date for trade, Sam. So that's going to lead right back into our conversation. But on Sunday, the anniversary, July 31st, the acquisition of Kevin Garnett, we're going to replay our show from uh, the following day with Steve Pulpet after we learned of the acquisition uh, and trade and acquisition of Kevin Garnett. So everybody will kind of be able to step into the Wayback Machine and check all that out. I know we re-released the draft night show from that year leading up to the draft this year. We're going to do the same with July 31st. So with that in mind, let's talk about July 31st and this trade and everything else. But um, Doc Rivers denying the rumors that started on 98.5 and uh, also were corroborated by Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. And he's blaming bloggers. So, you know, I, I wonder what your take is on that. And is that really just a cover for maybe what you're reading between the tea leaves here? I mean, there's <laughs> I mean, you got to think about it from Doc's perspective. Um, there's he's in a very tenuous position in that it's um, sort of the Clippers situation is hardening quite fast in terms of the fact that they don't. They don't really have flexibility, and it's pretty clear at this point that they're, you know, if they are going to win a title, they're going to need um, substantial injury help. Um, they're, you know, I think it's pretty clear the Warriors are a lot better than they are. Um, I think it's pretty clear that the Spurs are probably, you know, a better team. So, you know, I thank God. Doc, you know, kind of can't say, yeah, we were shopping, you know, we're shopping Blake a lot and, you know, we're, we're, we're out there doing these sort of things. But I also, you know, he, he does have a little bit, well, I I think where the, what the point might, uh, that Doc might be trying to make like in a little bit more of a macro sense is that, um, you know, with bloggers and, you know, fans i think i'm i'm probably in a very low end um slum of the blogosphere um with you know some of my writings and stuff like that um you know it does become a little bit of a echo chamber because there's no there's not really a sort of there's not there's no vetting entry um to become a part of the blogosphere so you know you could and there's have, no stake right I and mean, there's really no skin in the game you could say whatever you want and there's no consequences in terms of your job. So I can I can see what an easy scapegoat it is for Doc to be able to say something like that and not maybe piss off other people who are legitimate. But at the same time, you know, what I hark what I think about when he says that is when I got credentials, I don't even know how many years ago now, uh, but it was 2006. So 10 years ago when I got credentialed access, it was still very tenuous 
for bloggers, you know, anybody that wasn't part of the mainstream media to be able to get into the locker room. Now it's it's quite common and there's uh, plenty of members of the blogosphere, internet media that have access to, you know, credentialed access to the Celtics to be able to cover the games. But at the time, what had really set it back was Isaiah Thomas in New York. He'd had a couple of run-ins and some real bad publicity and uh, and some interactions with some bloggers. And, you know, it really looked like the NBA was going to shut, shut out internet media altogether. But the Celtics were one of the first organizations to sort of embrace that and be able to manage it. Brian Olive and Jeff Twist doing a great job with that and and really getting some excellent different t- style of coverage. So I just find it funny because when Doc said that, all I could think was, oh, no, Doc, you're becoming Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the Celtics, I think I think we're pretty lucky um, that, the, you know, as fans of the Celtics, because they are a, a pretty great organization when it comes to that stuff. I think it was, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I seem to remember a couple of uh, years ago, uh, that the um, you know the Trailblazers yanked all the Blazers Edge um, credentials and press credentials for you know them and they're one of the darlings of the basketball blogosphere like that's a real fan site when you hear about Bill Simmons talking about the you know the the Trailblazer the Portland Soccer Moms he's talking about Blazers Edge and you know but you know that's kind of an institution when it comes to the blogosphere um, the thing is I think that there's not really the problem. That with the blogosphere, and I think you touched on something, Justin, that's really important, which is that, you know, there's no when the, when you don't have skin in the game, it cut, it's kind of something that cuts both ways, um, you know, where uh, blogs can afford can be a little bit more reactive, um, and they can afford to go out on these further limbs and sort of you know decry things that maybe, um, you know, more traditional media might have a little bit of um, you know, might not be as willing to go there because they have, you know, they have to report things like they have an actual job that they need to do. Um, I think everyone on the Celtics beat does a great job, you know, from Forsberg to Jay King to Himmelsbach, all, all those guys do an incredible job, but you know, they have to actually like verify things. Whereas, you know, the blogosphere can be a much more, you know, reactive thing. We can do things like, uh, you know, I can do things like come on this sh- this show and say, "Whoa, they haven't signed Yabaselli yet! Like a trade is coming!" Like and and stir things up. And I think that that's kind of what what Doc is trying to sort of harness for his own pretty clearly for his own gain because I think it's pretty clear that he there is something going on with the Clippers. But he's using a very um, you know cogent point that you know there is a more of an effervescent feel to the blogosphere and that. Um, you know, it is a little bit more reactive, but less substantiated. So you can, he can just sort of pin that on, um, you know, cap dorks like me, um, you know, sitting in our mom's basement, pushing around uh, Excel spreadsheets. Um, well, I, you know what I'll say to that, though? When you look at this spreadsheet, and, and when I read the dialogue on Twitter back and forth with at Danger Cart Ryan, Ryan Bernadoni and yourself, the... What you're saying is we don't know, we don't have sources, and and I think I think Ryan mentioned this in his interview with Jay King on Rain and Chase because I was listening, and he basically said is look I don't have inside sources I don't have any knowledge but what I do have is the ability to take the information that is presented to us as they manage the cap and as they make decisions with players and and sort of read between the tea leaves you know there is such a thing as having an educated and informed uh, guess and your dialogue and discussion around the cap it's logical it doesn't mean it's right but here's the other thing it's not what people want is a yes or a no it's sort of like our our political environment, right? You're right now you're either a Republican or a Democrat and you're voting against the one you don't want to get into the White House. Well, people tend to think that these trade discussions are in a binary world, like an on and off, a zero or a one as well. And they're not. There it's already it's always kind of fluid. It's always a discussion. You know, when I hear Doc say that the only conversations he had with Danny was around golf or you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, right, golf and is, you know, but there doesn't mean that just because you called to talk about golf doesn't mean you didn't have other conversations. 
And I, I'm pretty certain that the sources that have reported that there were discussions around Blake Griffin at the trade deadline were all verified. They were all from traditional, legit sources. So at the same time, that flies in the face of what Doc says is, listen, here's the information. We already know that you talked about trading Blake Griffin, right? You're, you're saying all this stuff like you hope he's going to be there forever. But the truth is, is a lot of people know that that deal has been discussed. How deep it got this summer, who knows exactly. But there were a lot of signs a lot of signs out there that that deal might get done. The Westbrook rumors and the Blake rumors weren't haphazard. They were coming from so many different areas, not just, you know, the car salesman, right? <laughs> it, it's it, it came from a lot of places. That rumor was leaking out all over. So, you know, to what extent they talked about it, how far down the road they got. I thought Adam Himmels, Himmelsbach, you know, made a really good point on Celtics beat here on CLNS Radio on Sunday as well, saying, you know, a lot of times it's it's the information is coming from other teams' executives who, you know, have heard this. Well, there's always a little bit of gamesmanship, but I would be really surprised if the last time Danny and Doc talked about trading Blake Griffin was the trade deadline. Now, how intense it got, how real it came to fruition or not, I think everything that you said about Danny and Zarin trying to maintain cap flexibility, that there's no urgency, makes a lot of sense. So it might have just been cursory talks. They may have been laying the foundation. These trades take a long time. The discussions with Kevin McHale for Kevin Garnett were years in the making. And Doc is going to be feeling the pressure, and Danny knows it. And, you know, blaming bloggers certainly isn't going to help. At some point, he's going to have to make a move. And I also, I can't remember where it was reported today, but the trainer that Blake punched in the face twice and followed out of a restaurant is no longer employed by the Clippers organization. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you start to tie some of this together and you think maybe it was a situation that even though they said great things after the fact and, hey, we're family and all of that, Maybe one of them did have to go, and ultimately the trainer decided it was him because no deal for Blake Griffin got consummated this summer. Right. I mean, I think, um, I think, I think to to, to kind of walk that back a little bit to um, the 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 where discussing, you know, where the discussions are. Um, I, you know, as 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 tentative as I want to be on a lot of this stuff. I'm I'm pretty sure that Danny has called each and every front office about each and every pending star for the next four years. Like these, the calls were made. <laughs> I can almost guarantee you. Now, how far they got? Uh, almost always, all of them were going to be no. <laughs> that like they stop immediately at the door. But um, the Celtics front office um, does their due diligence. Um, that is something that teams. Um, never ever ever need to worry about um it's their responsibility right right and and well especially and especially this organization i mean you read all these stories about danny ainge annoying other gms um that that really comforts me as a fan of the team because that means that danny is out there probing at all times um and and that's really all you can be doing because um it takes two to tango um the celtics are ready whenever the other team is ready. But, you know, we also saw on draft night um, to the disappointment and chagrin of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, very emotional, reactive fans, <clears throat> myself, um, they would kind of, you know, that doesn't always happen. You know what I'm saying? The other team will want, are going to try and get you to take a bad deal and you've got to be willing to say no because the fact is, you know, the Celtics you know, are, are going to get better again this year. Um, you know, they have a real shot at making the Eastern Conference Finals, which is like kind of shocking, you know, to be, to have an outside shot at the Final Four in the NBA and still have all of this, you know, currency, you know, still in the chamber. Um, I, I think about, uh, one of the other things I th I've thought about is, um, you know, just with regards to, you know, because a lot of times when I'm seeing things, this was in particular in reference to um, Celtics giving Zeller $8 million rather than, you know, just um, taking the roster spot and not using the cap space. Um, 
why, you know, I, I was thinking, why would the Celtics not just leave that cap space open? Um, so, cause then, you know, when they make the big trade, um, the other team would be getting a TPE, which, um, a traded player exception, which generally I would think would be more valuable than Zeller. And, you know, Ryan told me like, Hey, you know, in this market though, maybe not because there's so much cap space. I mean, in the past, that's Danny was just clamoring to, to grab those trade player exceptions up and stow them. And if he thought one was going to expire without using it, he'd find a way to finagle a deal so he could roll it over another 12 months. And my, and uh, you know, I, I heard that. And my, my counter argument was, well, I don't know if the notoriously tight fisted, you know, we were talking about Jimmy Butler and, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook. I don't know if the bulls and the thunder, um, two ownership groups that are, uh, (laughs) Not not really into spending money. Uh, would want to pay eight million dollars to Tyler Zeller rather than basically get a get out of jail free card for their respective rosters in terms of uh, not paying money um, for a whole year. But you know, um, Ryan Ryan said something that you know is important, which was like you know the Celtics have kind of earned our trust at this point. Zarin and Danny are some of the best of the business. They know things like they know this way better than. You know, we're not we're not fans of the of a king's level organization here. Um, sorry for the sorry for taking a pot shot at uh, the king's fans. If we but, were, we would definitely deserve some of the blogger criticism just out of spite, <laughs> because we'd be blasting them all the time, right. and because the Celtics fan base is so knowledgeable, we'd have spreadsheets to throw at it. Right. I I mean, but that's the thing is, it's like you know, our 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 owner, you know, we're, we're in a position where our you know our front office is smarter than our fans, and that's a very 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 good thing. You know, like nothing nothing I'm saying is anything that hasn't been, gone over, um, you know, time and time and time again in these the war room meeting meetings with Austin Age and Zarin and Danny Ainge. So, you know you know, there's not really, you know, when it comes to things like that, like, Oh, why would they do that? I'm sure there is a reason. I mean, you know, and you know, the, you know, the fact of the matter is they probably just wanted a mid league um, salary just in case, you know, they get a Russell Westbrook deal or something like they have to take Kyle Singler as well. You want to have, um, you know, a middle level salary um, that they don't have right now beside, you know, without sending out Avery Bradley or Isaiah Thomas, who are two, you know, really important guys. You could just kind of, Send Zeller and it, you know, sends a goodwill message, you know, to agents, you know, here we pay our guys, you know, we take care of our guys. So, you know, that agent. How far, let me me jump in on that because you brought up, you brought up like, you know, a Crowder and a Bradley and all these guys, Isaiah Thomas are going to be due for large pay increases. So you targeted 17 and said that probably even if they were going to do a trade, they would want to do it after they use the cap space next off season, but let's say they don't use that. Uh, let's say they don't make a trade, but they do sign a max free agent next summer and then they're capped out. How far up can they go when it comes to pay Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder? Because you know, their contracts, they're not going to be max contracts, but they're going to be going way, way up. I mean, they can't be any less than Evan Turner contracts. Right. And, and maybe Thomas is going to be looking for, close to the max how far can they go with that or do they almost have to make that subsequent trade after next summer if they do add another max contract just so that they can sort of consolidate the talent that they have that's underpaid today to have a a max player still on the roster but be able to manage the salary of tomorrow especially knowing that then you know consequentially right after that Marcus Smart's going to be coming up and then Jalen Brown in a couple of years and then the pick that they make this year and next year like at some point you know we're going to be I mean maybe at that point Isaiah Thomas is 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 through a any kind of an extension deal by the time our our draft picks uh, Brooklyn picks over the next two years come up but you get my point how far can they go are they going to be in a position where it's going to be difficult for them to sign their players or is it simply Wick just needs to cut the check and if he does they're okay well I mean you took the words out of my mouth I mean that's up to Wick and Peg like they and uh, you know based on the history of our ownership group uh my I, I would say that they are they're you know we don't have a cheap ownership group when, when they've got something to pay for you know um, this ownership group has impressed me time and time again with their willingness to spend on the team 
for what's best for them. Um, and you know, that's part of kind of part of the reason I'm targeting 2017 is because, you know, you can maximize that cap space right before, you know, the metaphorical gates shut, um, during the 2018 season when you have, uh, Crowder or sorry, not Crowder, um, Bradley, Thomas and smart all do up for, um, you know, new deals all at the same time. And, you know, at, in 2018, um, the Celtics are going to lose $13 million in cap space before they even, before end at all, just in cap holds, just by um, those three contracts expiring. Um, the Celtics are just going to lose $13 million in cap space immediately in 2018, which is why, you know, I think you heard Ryan say on that, um, on, you know, when he was speaking with uh, Jay King, that his, you know, his deadline is, you know, the 2017 trade deadline. Um, I, you know, if I were the Celtics, I would be a little bit trying to sign someone in 2017. Um, I, I'm pretty galvanized by how well the Celtics did in free agency um, this offseason. I know they didn't get Durant, but they did get the second or arguably third best um, free agent on the market. They were in the mix for Durant, which, I mean, considering they were up against a 73 win team in California, like yeah, that's pretty good. And, and the incumbent, like, but, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. If they, if they get to the Eastern conference finals, if they perform in the postseason, it's hard not to think that they won't have a legitimate shot at any max level worthy player next off season. If that, if that, if said player is willing to change their location. Right. And that's, you know, and, and that's the, you know, and that's the thing is there's more of those guys out there. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I looked over, you know, S- S- Stephen Curry is, you know, that's, that's ambitious. I mean, you, you know, who knows? I, I, I bring him up because who knows, but you know, probably not, but Hey, he, he you know, his contract is going to be up. There's going to, you know, we'll see what's with the rest of the league. We'll watch in, you know, half, astonishment half horror at what golden state does to opposing teams this year but hey if that goes wrong you know maybe um durant will be back on the market um you know that's something worth looking at uh you have blake griffin um one guy daniel gallinari who's kind of flying under the radar a little bit you know his injury history is pretty scary but um you know boy he he would be a pretty great fit for the celtics team right about now um, and you got to bring up Hayward because that's my man, right? Uh, Gordon Hayward again, also you know a, a similar, you know, uh, also to Gallinari. Like those are like like there's there's just more guys out there. Like there's just more people to pitch to, um, and you know you can if you can sign if you can squeeze that guy into a max contract, um, and then you know you're looking at a team with three all you know assuming that this guy you're getting is an all star. You're looking at a team with three all-stars, um, whatever Jalen Brown turns into, and two more Brooklyn picks, and whatever like upgrades you can make on the roster with uh, Stay the, course. the more picks you have. So, you know, that's why 17 is, you, you know, what, what all I'm making the case for is that 17, 2017 and getting a free agent there, because a free agent is free. You don't have to give up um, assets for them. Um that's... The only issue, the only issue, and we'll wrap on this. I want to, I want to hear your thoughts, and then we'll close. Mm-hmm. The only issue is what you brought up at the very top, which is to say that they could be very, very thin in the front court mm-hmm. come next off season. And other than Blake, there probably isn't one of those max deals that's going to solve that or help with that for the Celtics, is there? Right. No. Exactly. Exactly. There's no. There's no help out there. Well, I mean. Th- I guess the help is the two, the other guys we talked about at nauseum here is uh, in Yabuselli and um, Zizic, but the, you know that's an awful lot of maybe know, it's the Nets picks, or you know maybe it's the Nets picks, maybe it's you know uh, Giles or whoever you know is is the guy coming out of these you know out of the the, the upcoming Nets picks, but you know uh, but the and other- Noel, I will add one other one. Noel is a free agent. Right. Next off season, correct? Yeah, and he's a he's a Massachusetts native, right. so there certainly might be some opportunity there. Right. I think if you were if they were going to add Noel, it would um, I, I would think um, his addition would probably be more like um, where a trade with for Russell Westbrook was made, and they you kind of 
nuked their cap space a little bit, but they wanted to get Noel this year while he was still on a small deal. And then having restricted free trade. agents. Yeah, or you know, even even something like that. I mean, that's the beauty of the Celtics offseason is there's so much you know, there's they have so many you know, they're pretty much ready for anything and there's so many options. The the one thing I just did want to really clarify though is that I'm not saying the Celtics shouldn't take a uh, a deal for an all star, um, you know, if one should present itself in twenty so obviously you take that deal. Uh, if you can trade for an all-star, you do that immediately. But um, I just wanted to draw the line of, you know, maybe you don't overpay as much as you would have. Like, none of these, like, I don't think we're going to be seeing these two Brooklyn pick, uh, Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley deals that other teams are flying around. I think we're going to see something that's a little bit more, if we see a trade, come between now and uh you know the deadline of this season it would probably be something that's a little bit more um you know a, a little bit more conservative than that because uh you know Danny has that knowledge that hey we we can put this cap use to good um you know good use and it's a much safer bet than it was this time last year because you know we've seen what the Celtics can do in free agency and it's pretty impressive that's excellent stuff Sam and I totally 100% agree. The Celtics are holding the cards. Uh, they have the assets. They have the ability to sit back. They're not desperate. And that quite frankly, they are 100% able to just sit back and let this thing play out. And no deal, no free agent acquisition. They're still on the rise. And I actually would be surprised if they weren't able to make, even if it wasn't a max deal next offseason, I'm certain they could make uh, a, a substantial addition to the club and get things structured. I think your article was wonderful today. Um, I, all anybody has to do is, is go follow you on Twitter. Um, shout out your Twitter handle real quick for everybody. I don't have it right, right in front okay. of me. Okay, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm at Sam Sheehan. Uh, uh, so S A M S A G E H A N. No underscore, right? No it's underscore. Just straight through. That's word. why I was wondering. Right. Yep. yep. No underscore, just uh, just one word. Um, the the other thing I wanted to touch on just real quick right before we go, um, something I wanted to just with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, um, shout out to Al Horford, who um, we're looking at a very different offseason if the Celtics don't sign Al Horford. Um, this offseason. Jared Sullinger comes back. Well, I mean, even Jared Sullinger <laughs> coming back. I mean, but even like um, uh, there's a lot more – um, there's a lot more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, pressure on the Celtics. Uh, yeah, they, they, they would have some urgency to right. fill some needs and Horford allowed them to, to take a breath and dream big. Right. You, you, they've got, you know, they got a second all-star to pair with Isaiah Thomas. You know, they're not there yet. The contender's not there yet, but they made a step. Um, and that makes it even easier to sell more all-stars on the dream like that really elevated us and that was by no means you know i if you told me we were getting horford without duran i'd be like no that's there's no way that's happening but he did it uh you know al came over here and you know so just um cheer for your guy al horford next off season because you know um that was a big part of this rebuild and i think it's probably going to get lost in the shuffle and lost the time a little bit how important it, um, Al signing this offseason was. So um, good on him. Yeah, uh, if you want to read the piece, um, just uh, our um, the Boston Celtics subreddit, our Boston Celtics. Um, shout out to those guys, a great um, community. Um, if you guys want to uh, check out, you know, our podcast, Sullivan and I, uh, we got a new one coming out soon where we're going to talk about some of these rumors. Um, you can follow him at Celtics Hot Takes. I, I can't imagine why you would want to. Um, it's a miserable experience. Pure entertainment value. Yeah, he's uh, he's a horrible trash human, but um, you know, uh, I guess suit yourself. Um, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. I really appreciate um, you uh, calling me up after uh, this late night we got going right now. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Well, Sam, it's it's really a pleasure. I'm loving. Scorching Shamrocks here on CLNS Radio. Uh, you and Sully are an interesting team. 
always entertaining. It's a great show, and I'm just getting more and more involved with the Celtics subreddit, but it is a good group. A lot of knowledgeable fans there. It's interesting how these communities pop up and even listening to you know how Ryan started to get more involved with the cap just because there were questions that weren't able to be answered and they were coming in the subreddit group and away he went with that. So everybody should definitely check out that community, definitely get involved, definitely read the article and keep an eye on 2000 and uh, 2000. Yeah. 2017. And the only other thing I'll add is your point about Al Horford. It's just so interesting. We talked about this with Chris Forsberg on the show earlier this week but just how much that, that just kind of blew right by us. You just blew right by in all the commotion and all the ongoings and just crazy moves. So it was easy to forget just how much of an impact that signing was. But you brought a nice wrinkle in there. What what a totally different offseason, maybe a level of impatience from the Celtics uh, organization, both ownership and Danny, to feel like they have to do something. But now they know they've made an improvement. I can't wait to see Al out on the floor this season and what they what they do with this club. And I'm hoping they get off to a much faster start. As we close the show, just a reminder, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and my guest today at Sam Sheehan, S-A-M-S-H-E-E-H-A-N. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in to our special broadcast this week. You can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review because your feedback's important to us and we want to keep making it better. Just a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Fan Essentials. They've got a great deal for you, but most importantly, you'd be supporting our show and the CLNS Radio Network. Just go on over to fanessentials.net, sign up, and use the promo code CSL2016 to save 30% on your first month subscription. And... Once again, a big thanks to the entire loyal CLNS radio audience who makes it all worthwhile for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS radio, Nick Gelso, and for my guest today, Sam Sheehan, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.